So good, so good. Well, last week we started a series uh, all about emotions, all about emotions, and, uh, and emotions is a complex issue. Who knows that? Yeah? <laughs> They're very complicated. It's a complex issue, and, uh, and there are many different people, different voices speaking in and giving a perspective all about emotions, and, uh, and that's great, I think. And uh, the prevalence of emotions in society, I don't know if you've noticed, the prevalence and, uh, and um, speaking about emotions in society has, has increased. Do we recognize that? Yeah, and it is increasing over time. As, as we go, we can see more and more of uh, topics, discussions all around our emotional well-being and, uh, and what have you. And I, I, I think that's good, don't you? Yeah? But I also think it's kind of funny because as, as Christians, as those that, uh, that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are on individual journeys with God, yeah? Yeah? And, uh, and the Bible says that we are not residents of this earth. Have you read that? The Bible says that we're not residents of this earth, that we are merely passing through. This is not our uh, true and eternal home, yeah? Yeah, good. That's what my Bible says anyway. And, uh, and so in some sense, whatever the world is speaking about, whatever the world wants to talk about, uh, is, is kind of almost irrelevant to us and our journey with God in some ways. But the flip side is that we are here for now. We are in this earth. We're called to be here, aren't we? We're called to work here. We're called to minister here. We're called to worship here. We're called to fellowship here. This is where we're called to be for the here and the now. And so we're influenced by the world and whatever the world uh, is saying, yeah? Does that make sense to anybody? That's so good. That's so good because that's where I am as well. That's, that's what I can observe as well. And so when something comes up in the world and the world highlights uh, something, we must determine should we not, what the biblical view on that topic is, yeah? We must, we must identify what the biblical view of what the world is speaking about is. The, uh, the Bible in Romans 12 too says that we must not be conformed to the ways of this world. We must, we must not merely accept and receive whatever it is that the world says, uh, but the, rather we must become um, transformed by the renewing of our minds, amen? That we must be constantly uh, in communication and relationship with God to determine what it is that He is speaking, not what the world is speaking, yeah? Now, last week, the conclusion, last week was kind of an introduction into this series about emotions. And last week, uh, the conclusion uh, that I'd come to anyway um, on, on emotions and sort of uh, coming up with, if you like, a, a working definition for how I view emotions is, uh, is this, that our emotions are a tool that give us an insight and connection into the non-tangible elements of a situation to help drive us to action and into the arms of God. Yeah? Do you remember that from last week? Yeah? That's good. If not, there's a podcast. Right? You can catch up on the podcast. It's not a bad working definition, uh, but today we're going to put some meat on the bones. Yeah? Is that all right? Going to put some meat on those bones. Uh, and uh, I'd like you to open your Bibles, uh, if you've got one, to um, the book of Philippians. And we're in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you've got two options. Uh, you can either go onto the App Store on your phone and download Version's Bible app. Or alternatively, there are paper Bibles at the back there. You can get one of those uh, and you can take that. You can have that. That's free. Um, you should have a Bible of some description. 
Now this morning, I want to see what the Bible says about everyone's favorite emotion. <laughs> the classic favorite, anxiety. Anxiety. That's where we are this morning. We're talking about, and we're looking about uh, what the Bible has to say about anxiety, because I don't know if you've noticed this, anxiety is on the rise. Yeah? Can we notice that in the world? Do we have to take a poll, or can we just observe that anxiety in the world is on the rise? Can we see that? Uh, Oxford, the Oxford Dictionary defines anxiety as this. It is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. Does that sound familiar? Anxiety, how the Oxford English Dictionary defines it. And so what we're looking at when we're talking about anxiety is a, uh, is a deep emotional response to the unknown. A deep emotional response to the unknown. And it seems fairly natural then, does it not, given where we are in the world, <laughs> that anxiety would be on the rise. Yeah? Going to list some things for you. Going to list some items. The economy is not doing great. The cost of living is quite high. There are a number of wars occurring all over the world. Social media exists. Work stresses occur. We've managed to arrive in a culture that, uh, that almost fetishizes crisis. Everything is a major crisis. They've even started giving the, the names to weather now. Net zero causes anxiety in three different ways. It's amazing. Number one, some are anxious about the planet boiling. Number two, some are anxious about what the government's going to do about that. And number three, some are anxious about what their friends think and that their opinion doesn't match their friends. Right? It's an amazing, amazing thing, uh, little item there. Another one for you. Ha, ha, ha. The US presidential election causes anxiety in three different ways. Number one, some folks are anxious about what will happen if one guy wins. Number two, some people are anxious about what happens if the other guy wins. And some people are anxious that their opinions don't match their friends' opinions. It's incredible. In fact, it seems that every topic in the news is in some way divisive, contentious, controversial, and ready to sow seeds of division. Have you noticed? Putting us in a position of the unknown and leading us to anxiety. There's a lot going on, and so is there any wonder that anxiety is on the rise? Just going to take just a moment now. Just to breathe just a little bit. We've listed some things, might have touched a nerve for some of us. Because it's a lot of stuff, isn't it? It's a lot of stuff. And, uh, and we might have tickled the anxiety antennas a little bit. And so we'll just take a moment to breathe and invite God into our hearts. And we're going to read from his word. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are here, that you are with us that your Bible says that you are in control, that every knee will bow at the feet of Jesus, that there is nothing that supersedes or can overthrow your throne, and there is nothing that exists outside of your control. 
We thank you, Lord, that you invite us to cast our burdens onto you. We thank you, Lord, that you say that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, that we are not designed, we are not meant to carry things, carry burdens by ourselves, that we're not meant to carry anxieties by ourselves. And so, Lord, as we begin uh, exploring your word this morning to see what it is that you have to say about anxiety, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us as individuals, that we would hear from you this morning, that we would hear from you as a church this morning as well as a body of believers that ultimately, your Lord, uh, that you would preach to your church this morning and, uh, and that we would hear. Would you give us ears to hear from heaven, Lord? Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, then, is where we are this morning, and I'm going to read from, ver- uh, from verse uh, 4. And we read this. I just, tried to sc- <laughs> I just tried to scroll my Bible with my finger. doesn't do that because it's made of paper. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the Bible says this, don't be anxious. Simple, yeah? Preach over. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Have have you noticed that? Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're sharing your problems, you're sharing your troubles with somebody, and you're opening up your heart, and you're, uh, you know, you're, sort of unloading and offloading to, uh, to somebody, and, uh, and the response that you get back is, uh, oh, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. I, I don't think I've ever been in that situation myself, but I am that guy, or I have been that guy. Anyway, Sam will attest to this. Uh, sometimes when she's shared, was getting a down, uh, and she's, you know, she's wanted to open up a, an emotional... Uh, uh, ch- channel tunnel, channel tunnel. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, and she, she, and she's trying to do that, and and uh, and my response has been, "Well, have you have you tried not worrying about it? Have you tried not worrying?" And Sam's response, obviously, immediately is, "Wow, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of? Thanks, Dom. You've ju- you've solved it all for me now. Thank you so much." Who knows that's not how it works. Yeah? We can thank Paul for telling us not to worry, but Paul is only echoing Jesus' previous teaching on anxiety and worry, which we find in Matthew 6 uh, and 25. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And so Jesus, too, is saying, do not worry, do not. In fact, it's the same uh, root word in the Greek, right? The Greek word for this is merimnau. Say that, merimnau. Merimnau. Yeah, that's Greek. You've learned Greek this morning. Give yourselves a round of applause. 
That's Greek. Come on now. Marry him now. And it means worry. It means anxiety. It means exactly what we're talking about. And so Jesus says, do not have that. Do not have marry him now. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. And so the Bible, through its teaching from both Jesus in the, in the red letters and also Paul, is saying the same thing. Do not worry about stuff. Do not worry about stuff. And, uh, and that's really flippant, and we're going to dive deeper into that. But for now, know this. The Bible is clear. The Bible is clear that experiencing anxiety, that us experiencing anxiety is suboptimal. Yeah? That's what we know for sure. The Bible, the teaching of the Bible is this. Anxiety is not good for us. It's not God's desire that we would have a weight of worry of the unknown on us. Yeah? Are we happy with that so far? Yeah? So good. So good. Now, I just want to pause our biblical exploration for just a moment and bring in a modern uh, psychology viewpoint. Is that all right? Modern psychology on a Sunday morning. (laughs) So good. Now, for reference, what we're talking about here... When we're talking about anxiety, uh, is we're talking about a, uh, a feeling of, 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 of emotion of anxiety, yeah? What, what we've discussed, this, this, this worry of the unknown. And, uh, and so what we're not talking about is, um, is some of the specific, uh, if you like, um, serious mental health challenges such as uh, generalized anxiety disorder uh, and things like that because it's a different kettle of fish, yeah? It's a different, different kettle of fish in that, in that regard. And so we're talking about a, um, an emotion of anxiety. Mind.org.uk defines anxiety like this. <clears throat> anxiety is what we feel when we're worried, tense, or afraid, particularly about things that are about to happen or which could happen in the future. Listen, anxiety is a natural human response when we feel that we're under threat, it can be experienced through thoughts or feelings or physical sensations. The NHS website has this to say about anxiety. Anxiety is the main symptom of several conditions, including uh, phobias, uh, stress disorders, and social anxiety disorders. And so we're getting this picture of anxiety from a modern uh, psychological viewpoint that anxiety is a natural response to that which we experience. Yeah? Does that make sense? I'm going to keep asking you if things make sense just so I know I'm not going off in a different direction and we're not all going together uh, on that journey. Is that all right? Yeah, so you need to keep telling me that it's okay. And if it's not, then keep quiet. (laughs) And talk to me at the end. So we're getting this picture of anxiety, that it's normal for us to have this emotion. In fact, Dr. John Deloney, who's, a, who's a, an individual that speaks a lot into this subject, and I, I, uh, I admire quite a lot, I've read a lot of his stuff and, uh, and watch a lot of his talks, says this, anxiety is simply an alarm. It's an alarm. It's not a disease. It is your body trying to get your attention. He describes anxiety, in fact, as a smoke detector. A smoke detector in your life warning us that something is wrong. Warning us that something is wrong. And so when we experience anxiety, it, our body is in fact working perfectly for us to tell us in some way that we are not safe. That something is wrong and, and something in, in our situation needs to change. Something must be done. That's the purpose of anxiety, yeah? 
And so we have these two insights. We have these two viewpoints of anxiety. Modern psychology tells us that anxiety is a natural part of the human experience and that it is, uh, is, is, is in a sense, good for us because it's, it's a warning signal to us. But the Bible tells us not to be anxious. It tells us not to be anxious and that anxiety is not part of God's plan for us. And so what do we do with these two seemingly opposing viewpoints about this subject, complex subject of anxiety? We have to reconcile this, don't we? Yeah? Well, we're going to do just that. Don't worry. (laughs) The reality, though, is that these two viewpoints are, in fact, not opposing. They are, in fact, not opposing. This is a classic case of the world explaining the science behind something and the Bible explaining the nature of it. Yeah? Because the Bible does not suggest that anxiety is not an inevitable part of life. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say that. In fact, there's a presupposition within uh, the Bible, within both uh, the teachings of Jesus and Paul, that we will experience anxiety, that it is there, that it is real, that it is something that we will have, yeah? And so the Bible is not trying to say that anxiety uh, is not part of our experience. And psychology, in fact, doesn't uh, tell us that we should be anxious either. Both of these things are true at once. We are prone to anxiety, yes, but it is still undesirable for us, yes. Yeah? Are we there? Are we, are we happy on this? So far, so good. So, if, as the psychology suggests, we experience anxiety as kind of uh, an early warning system that something is wrong, what then is our response? What do we do with that? How do, we, how do we move forward? What is it that, that our body, if you like, or, uh, or our emotions, uh, or God moving through those elements, what are we uh, to understand from our anxiety? Do we all want to know? Wow, that's good. Well, you, you, it's good. <laughs> I want us to read, uh, reread Philippians 4 again. Because Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fortunately, the Bible is far more helpful than I am when I tell Sam not to worry about stuff. Because Paul writes, don't be anxious. But he, in fact, describes for us and he gives us almost like an equation, right? Almost like a seesaw uh, type scenario here. There are two sides to what Paul is saying. On one side, we have anxiety, yeah? And Paul is saying, do not be anxious, On the other side, Paul gives us an alternative to anxiety in this equation. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Two sides, two options for us, and they're separated by that word, but, instead. Yeah? Do not do this, but instead do this. So it's not just a case of saying, do not do this, and then you're on your own, like I do with Sam. (laughs) But instead, Paul says, hey, don't do this. Instead, try this. 
Paul offers us a three-part solution to this anxiety equation to cancel out anxiety. The first element is prayer and petition to God. Yeah? Read that. That's the first thing Paul writes. Uh, But instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition. Prayer and petition. What What does that mean? See, God invites us to be in a constant relationship with him, yeah? A constant communication in every situation. And Paul says that we should petition God. That means to ask God for him to enact change for us in our situations, in our circumstances, and more importantly, in our own hearts. And Paul writes that we are to petition and that we, in fact, are invited to petition God. And then Paul lists prayer as a separate element to petition. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? That prayer is in fact separate to petition. See, Paul highlights that petitioning God, asking God for what what it is that we need for our daily bread, as as the Lord's Prayer tells us, uh, that that element is his his own element. And so their prayer that Paul is talking about excludes petition. Because that's already mentioned, yeah? Do, are we, are we, are we, are we, do we know where we're going? Yeah? A bit complicated, but, but it's okay. We're working through. So Paul is inviting us, yes, to call upon God and petition to him and, and call, uh, call, call upon God to enact change in us and in our lives and minds. Uh, but there is more to the invitation, and that is prayer, that is a non-petitioning element of prayer. That is about relationship. It is about knowing him, spending time in his presence, involving him in our lives, not just petitioning, but involving and relating and communicating with him. Ultimately being in a relationship with God. And so the first part in dealing with our anxiety is relationship, specifically a relationship with the one who created us. That's what Paul, that's the first part of what Paul calls us to. The second element of Paul's solution to anxiety is this. He calls us into thanksgiving. He calls us into thanksgiving. Now, this is a really, really interesting topic of science. I've done some, uh, some research. But the neuroscience, who knows that word? Yeah, I feel very, very clever up here having just used that word. Okay, just going to wait, let that soak in. I don't know, it's neuroscience. I don't. (laughs) The neuroscience of our brain chemistry means that it is simply not possible to experience gratitude and fear at the same time. Did you know that? That is how our brains are programmed to work. That is how they are designed to work. We cannot uh, at the same time experience thanksgiving and fear. Now, Paul, quite obviously, didn't understand the complexities of neuroscience in the first century AD. Are we comfortable saying that? Mm, Good. As, in fact, I don't in the 21st century AD. So we're, we're in good company. But these are the words from God, are they not? Not from Paul. These are the words of God, not of Paul. And there is one thing that we know is that God knows how he wired our brains to function. Yeah? Can we be confident in that? 
God, God wired our brains. He taught them how uh, to function. And, uh, and so this is how God created it to be. You can't experience fear and anxiety if you're experiencing thanksgiving. And so the solution, therefore, or the um, prognosis, if you like, is when we feel anxious, fearful, angry, etc., if we are able to train our brains instead to be grateful, the neuroscience will take care of the rest. That's what the Bible says. And the science. The second part of Paul's solution to anxiety is rejoicing. It is rejoicing because that's how God designed it to be. Because that is how God designed it to be. Now, there are many ways that we can train our brains to experience gratitude and rejoicing. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I know from experience that it is not easy. But it's still the solution. Yeah? Or part of the solution. Anyway. The final element of Paul's solution to anxiety is presenting our request to God. Presenting our request to God. Because if our, our anxiety is a symptom, which we've identified is true, yeah? Yeah? I feel like I'm, I'm losing more and more of the, of the congregation as we go through this. Is that accurate or are we all just in deep thought? Yeah? Deep thought. All right, we'll go with that. That'll make me feel better. Great. The final element to Paul's... Uh, solution is presenting our request to God. Because if, if our anxiety is a symptom, yeah, which, which we know that it is, it's our body or subconscious trying to communicate with us, reaching from the depths of our inner being and into the physical, is trying to communicate that something about our life or experience is not right. Yeah? Something is unsafe. The outcome is unknown. And it could be a number of things. Could be a, a whole number of things. Anything. I mean, we listed some things at the start, didn't we? That bit was fun. Remember that? But in general, I found that most things fall into one of three categories. See, something is either something that we have a level of control over, or it's something that we have no level of control over, or it's something that we need to separate ourselves from. Now, Paul invites us to present our requests to God, but first we need to know what those requests are, yeah? We need to be able to identify the situation or circumstance that is causing anxiety in us, don't we? Do we think that's the first step? To figure out where is this coming from? What, uh, what about my life, what about my experience is causing me to have this anxiety we need to identify the situation and we need to assess, can I control this? Can I not control this? Or do I need to escape from this? And we need to involve God in that initial step as well, don't we? Yeah? That's where the first part comes in, in our, in our relationship with God. Lord, why am I feeling this way? Lord, what is it about my life? Will you help me to decipher and to, to understand and translate this, this anxiety that I'm feeling? Would you point me, Lord, in the direction of its source? And then beyond that, we present our request to God. And those requests could look different depending on, on, uh, on where we are, yeah? Lord, I have an influence into this situation that is causing me anxiety. And so, Lord, would you give me wisdom and guidance to do the right thing? 
Lord, I have no control. No control in this situation that is causing anxiety to me. And so, Lord, I give it fully over to you. I don't want to, I can't hold this. I have no control here, so I have no reason to hold it. And so, Lord, let your will be done and let your kingdom come in this situation. But I'm handing it completely over to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I need to be out of this situation. I cannot be in this situation anymore. It's just causing me so much anxiety. And so, Lord, would you lead and guide me safely and provide a way where I can no longer be in this situation that is causing me so much anxiety? The final element of Paul's solution is, in fact, to be fully reliant on God. Is to be fully reliant on God, regardless of the nature of the anxiety, regardless of the situation or circumstance that's causing it for us. Paul calls us to be fully reliant on him. And so this three-part solution, relationship with him, rejoicing because of him, and reliance on him. This is Paul's three-part solution to anxiety. And it's simple, isn't it? It's got to be simple because we've just, just gone through it in less than half an hour. But that doesn't make it easy, does it? It's simple, but it's not easy. We haven't immediately, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we haven't immediately solved anxiety. We have not immediately eradicated anxiety from the world. We haven't even eradicated anxiety from this church. But we do have a plan, don't we? We've got a framework to move forward with. And so, I just want to highlight again our, our working definition. I keep going back to this because I found this really helpful. My working definition of emotion. Our emotions are a tool that give us an insight and connection into the non-tangible elements of a situation to help drive us to action and into the arms of God. And anxiety is no different. Anxiety is no different. It is a tool that gives us an insight into an area of our lives that isn't quite right. And it calls us to action and drives us towards God. Because God's desire is for us not to experience anxiety because of our circumstance. Instead, we deal with the things that causes anxiety in a way that involves relationship, rejoicing, and reliance on him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we, uh, as we come to an end, let's talk about peace, shall we? Because that's nice. Paul tells us what to do to avoid anxiety or to, to help us with it. He gives us a framework. He gives us a framework uh, so, that, so that we, involving God, can battle our anxiety and ultimately he is the victor. But he tells us what the alternative is as well. He gives us the other half. The peace of God. And the peace of God that Paul is, is talking about, it refers, uh, it refers to a, an Old Testament concept of peace. The Greek is, uh, is Greek again? Yeah? The Greek is Irene. Say Irene. Irene. So we've got two opposites now. You've now got Merim now, which is anxiety. 
and worry. And you've got irene, which is peace. And actually, it's the Old Testament uh, concept of shalom. Shalom. And shalom is so much more than peace. And, uh, you know, we've preached on this in the past, an entire uh, sermon on, on shalom, and, and there could be more uh, than that even. But the concept of shalom is so much more than I think our English language allows us to think when we think of the word peace. Because what we're talking about is a peace that is a universal flourishing and wholeness. It is to be at one with God, experiencing his love and his will and walking with God just as Adam did in the Garden of Eden before it all went horribly wrong. It's a peace that it is beyond our understanding. It is beyond our understanding. What does it mean to, for something to be beyond what we can comprehend? It means that it makes no sense for us to experience this peace when, when we're comparing to the rules and the ways of the world. Because it goes, this, this peace, this shalom, it goes with us even in the most unknown and unnerving situations. It, it, shalom is in the loudest storm. The shalom is in the darkest nights. The shalom is in the toughest battles, in the situations that scream fear and terror. Naturally, instead we're able to experience the fullness and the wholeness of God's shalom, which makes no sense. It makes no sense. And because of that peace, it's, we're able to guard our hearts from the aforementioned anxiety, from fear, from the scheme of the enemy, that we will be guarded, that we will be protected. And so we could, we could sort of leave this here and, uh, and leave us with a, with a bit of a framework, if you like, for us individually to, um, uh, to work with God and, uh, and involve God in in the in the battle against anxiety and and that's good and that's that's great and we we have that but in matthew 5 and verse 9 jesus says this blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the agents of peace and one fascinating thing about the the word of god is that it is not a self-help book. It is not a self-help book. It's not written for us solely to help us improve our lives and live our best life. That's not the purpose of the Bible. That will happen, and it's a byproduct, and, and, and it will happen uh, as we adhere to its teachings and, and we adhere to, uh, to, to, the, to the laws of God. But the Bible is primarily written to give an account of God his nature, and his relationship with humanity. Yeah? And part of that relationship that God has with humanity, part of the relationship that God has with his church, with those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, those of us that put our trust in him for our salvation into eternity, 
part of that relationship is this, is that we are in fact called to outwork the plans and purposes of God. Yeah? We are in fact called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ is called into an incredible calling by God to display and to show his love into this world and to reflect Jesus. That's what the church is called to do. And that's what the Bible helps us to do. Because we are, the church is, God's, that's, that, that's his plan, the church. And so our framework for peace and anxiety is great because it helps us as individuals, doesn't it? I think it does anyway. And I'm not saying it's easy. I've said that a few times now. But it's a framework that, that we've got. But here and with us is not where it stops. It's not where it's supposed to stop because we're called to be the carriers of the peace of God. We're called to carry this peace with us. We're called to be peacemakers in this world. Bringing peace from God to one another in all situations and all circumstances. And I believe our message today is not merely or not only about giving us as individuals a framework to help us with our anxiety, although it is, but it's also about taking that to others and sharing with others. Because who knows the world is experiencing so much anxiety. And the world that don't yet know Jesus is experiencing this anxiety without the Holy Spirit. Without the one that provides comfort. And it kind of just makes you think... But we're called to be a church that shows people the solution. The ultimate solution that is Jesus. And the peace that he brings. It's unhelpful, as we've talked about, isn't it, to tell someone not to worry about something. But it is helpful to say, you know what? I also experience anxiety, or I have also experienced that in my life. You know what helps? You know what helped me? It started with relationship with God. It involves rejoicing in God. And it leads us to reliance on God. I believe this is what the church is called to do. How's that sound? We're going to start this morning with that, with praying for one another. And I love that we get to do this. You know, before for, for a while, I kind of thought, I'll be honest, I was about Sunday mornings, and I kind of thought, well, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't really pray too much together or call people to pray because people will feel awkward and, you know, and there's new people here and they'll think we're all weird and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And so we'll just, we'll leave it to the monthly prayer meeting. And that's where we'll do prayer. But church, that, that was so unbelievably wrong. 
The church is called to pray. The church is called to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, I'd invite you to get over it. Someone said to me once, when, I, when they, they tried to get me to pray out loud for the first time. And I said, oh, no, I'm too nervous. I'm not going to do that. And they said, well, that's your pride speaking right there. So if you can just put that aside and pray, that'd be great. <clears throat> I'm not going to be that harsh this morning, but we need, we need to be developing a culture of prayer, church, more and more, more and more. And we need to be prepared that when we come here on a Sunday morning, you're going to pray for someone and someone's going to pray for you. And that's how it's going to work because we're the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and out there is where they don't do the prayer. In here is where we do. And so we're going to pray. We're going to worship first a little bit. And then we're going to pray. And I want us to be praying into this area of peace and anxiety. And if you're with somebody who is experiencing peace and anxiety, then uh, let's pray into that first and foremost. That we would experience relief because the Lord says that we can cast our burdens onto him. Hey, that we are not designed to carry the weight. That we, are not desi- we are designed to carry an easy burden and a light yoke, that of Jesus. And so for those of us experiencing anxiety and anxiety-inducing situations this morning, let us pray for one another. Let us give that over to God or invite him to guide us through or whatever it might be that is required in that situation. But the second thing is this, let us pray to empower one another that we might be, as we leave this place, peacemakers in this world. Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that carry the peace of God with us. Blessed are those that help, that share the solution that God has written in his Bible with those who don't yet believe this word. So let us pray for one another and to empower one another. We'll worship first and then we'll pray.